y'all. Welcome back. We are back and we got so much more fun stuff for you playing this season. How are y'all feeling? Awesome. Greetings. I'm great. Dr. No, no, you have to let them you have to let them know who we are in case this is their first episode ever. Oh, they don't know us. Y'all, y'all don't know us, like but they should. But you should right. know. <laughs> but you should. All right. So we are the chocolate MDs. We are four excellent black physicians, all graduated from the same residency in Chicago at Cook County. We have gone our separate ways, but we have come together to give you this amazing content of medical entertainment. Um, so we are glad to be back. Um, we took a little hiatus for the summer, but we are definitely back to give you some more content and to let you know what you missed. So thank you for the air I have to say, I loved loved your introduction. Like you just literally summed us all up in a few words. I thought it was really great. Can I just say that I expected to be um, well-rested upon return, but y'all out here in these streets with this COVID won't let me be great. I'm exhausted. COVID is not is not going away. So we just gotta will not go away. That is not by y'all. By y'all, she means the general public, not you, the listener. I mean, it yeah. might be you, the listener. We hope it's not you. No, you've heard no. you've heard enough of us to hope that you know. We hope it's not you. So right. tired. So many but, FLA, oh God, FMLA like, forms. It's just like I felt like as when we went off break, there were literally like five top you know history making stories in the same week that we went off break. And I just I been compiling everything like in our little uh, social media inbox of like, oh, this, you know, this is great stuff. We got to talk about this when we come back out on the air. But then it got to like five stories and the 10, 20, 30. And I'm like, all right, y'all, I can't, I can't keep up. So, <laughs> so we got a lot of stuff. I mean, that's just goes to say we got a lot of stuff to tell you about um, off the, for the couple two months that we were off the air. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I thought that we should give anybody that, is interested at e our listeners updates on our lives in case there's been any changes mind you the rest of chocolate mds will probably say ain't no changes in my life y'all gotta know nothing but i will say this <laughs> update from my life um dr sunshine um you guys have known that i've introduced myself as like living in la la land and living in the bay i'll be moving to los angeles soon so i'm actually relocating hey. which is a big move for me yeah, yeah yeah yeah. not that you guys know us personally or anything but just know that from now on my uh, anecdotes on my day-to-day life will be coming from the LA area instead of the Bay. Um, I've enjoyed the Bay. We have lots of listeners in the Bay as well. Everyone who I've met, all of you who do know about this podcast, thanks so much for listening. And the Bay has been beautiful to me, but I'll be relocating to LA next week. Um, So that'd be cool. Anybody else have any updates they want to share with the peeps? Any changes over the summer? I am still in Chicago, but I switched hospital systems. So if you ever get admitted at Northwestern, I will probably see you there. Oh, <laughs> she let people know the real all the information. I know we're going so hard in the paint. I, I, I switched yeah, tonight. Not- I switched tonight from days, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the docs that will be admitting people. I'm within the Northwestern health system now, so. <laughs> Very excited for change, and you know we'll see we'll see what it brings. So yeah, Doctor Nono's going hard in the paint. Um, so Chris, Amy, Joe, y'all have anything I mean, to share with I'm I'm with Amy, Joe. I'm tired. I'm just <laughs> I'm just working all the time. I'm just tired. That's all I got. Like, I'm care, folks. I'm just tired. <laughs> I tired. am. Yeah, we're out here That's like it. cranking them out. So outpatient has never been busier. Um. I've made no moves. Uh, 
Oh, y'all miss Amy Jo's birthday. Y'all missed the whole Leo season. That was oh, a movie. Yeah. There was a Leo season. That was a vibe. Yeah. Was a vibe. Y'all, miss, y'all, miss, y'all miss Chris's birthday and Amy Jo's birthday. I know. They had a vibe. It was <laughs> a good cool. It was a good day. I had an amazing birthday. Um, got lots of love. You know, it's been it's been busy. Um, you know what? I have to say, that's one thing I miss about working in the county system. We used to have all the federal holidays. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, just like, why y'all don't recognize uh, Veterans Day? It's a federal holiday. <laughs> <laughs> why you don't recognize um, Christopher Columbus Day? I know he didn't discover America, but I celebrate it. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? just want the day off. You're like, I just I want, really the, want day the day off. I mean, the PA got that hookup too. Like, they literally get all those, and, those holidays. And off, in so. Chicago, we got Lincoln's birthday as well. Oh, that is true. We did. We did. we did. And I was just like, this is great. We got President's Day <laughs> and Lincoln's birthday. Hey, I I'll feel like it. I was always working on the holiday though. Like for some reason I was always on inpatient during the holiday yeah. season. And so I never got those days off. No, I used to get um, I had clinics. No, good and well. You don't believe in no Christopher Columbus. The only Christopher you acknowledge is Wallace. But this calendar though, why am I seeing patients on Monday? I thought it was Columbus Day. Isn't that a thing? Oh, Yo. I'm so hurt. I'm so hurt about that. For real. <laughs> like, I'll be hurt. And then we used to have clinic on Tuesday. So I used to have the Monday off and had like a long weekend. Oh, that's nice. But it's it's okay, though. You know, what's important is that we're all here. We're all here for the listeners to kick off season two, which Yay! we're really hyped about. Yay! There's been a lot that happened, so I'm just going to kind of do like a rapid fire, and then Nono can add to the rapid fire trending things that have happened since we've been gone. But I'm just going to like blow by them really quick, but there is one in particular I did want to talk about. So as you guys know, since we left, um, there's been a whole uh, Shakari Richardson movement. There's been a whole Simone Biles movement. There's been a whole push for vaccinations with juveniles. uh, Vax that thing up. He put out a whole video. Um, There's been... There's there's been a lot of a lot of things happening. On the downside, kind of sad. There's been a lot of um, actors and actresses that have also passed away during the summer, including some that just passed away recently. So there's been a lot of things, both ups and downs, that have been going on all over the place. Now, what I actually do want to talk about is the recent um, lawmaking and abortions and things that are happening in Texas. Mm -hmm. But before I get onto that, was there anything that has happened since we've been gone that y'all like? Yo, we need to talk about this. Which can be anything that that I've mentioned. I mean, to be honest, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I have been tweeting my little heart away because I do that frequently. So I have been very active on Twitter in regards to everything Olympic-based because I'm a huge Olympics junkie. So I have said my heart's piece on the poor coverage of the Olympics on NBC, which was abysmal, mm. and Simone Biles and Shakira. I've 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 tweeted my life away. So I've I've talked at max about a lot of these things. Is there anything in anybody's heart they'd like to discuss? <laughs> I feel like I'm like you. Like I've already expressed like my feelings about like everything. I was I was so over the Olympics, not watching it because I love watching it, but I was overworking so hard to see the Olympics. Like I purchased the Peacock, you know, like 
app so oh, that I could, my gosh. yeah, so that I could see because Peacock would play the replays. Like, so in order to watch like women's basketball, like the new three on three, you know, ch- tournament that was there, like mm-hmm. I wanted to see all of that, and you couldn't find it, and the replays were like ridiculous. Like you couldn't really get a good schedule. It was so yeah. annoying. So I was like, okay, that was the only way I got to see them, and I, I was very satisfied to watch everything. But yo. It was rough, man, because even they were like partnered with like USA. I'm like, is this on USA? Is it on NBC? Is it on Peacock? Is it on like, is it on Peacock replay? Like, what if I want to watch it live? Like, there's some things I like to like, I'll be honest, y'all. If I really care about an event, I'm gonna watch it live. I'll stay up until 3am Cali time and I'll watch track and field 100 meter. Like, I will watch it. That's me. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was uh, pretty poor coverage and in, in, in my opinion, but. But yeah, there's been lots of things. Like Nono said, she's posted stuff on our social media. She's given you guys highlights and stuff. I know she had a whole list. I'm sure I didn't even touch on any no, of it. Yeah, I mean, even a, even a I think the, the important stuff would have been like, I I think I tweeted about the Texas abortion law for a good week straight because I was just so appalled at how like disgusting it was. But um, there are other, some other like breakthroughs in medicine, like the Moderna actually set, is setting the test, the experimental HIV MRI vaccine in people. Um, so that was like a big breakthrough with that. And, um, unfortunately, like what Dr. Sunshine said, we've had a lot of celebrity deaths in like the time that we've been off the air. I think the most recent would be Michael Williams from the wire, um, was found dead in his apartment. And I think right before we went off the air, we were actually going to talk about, um, you know, addiction. Cause I think the cause of death was, was heroin, I believe was, is what mm-hmm. was projected, like which I believe we, something. Yeah, we, we had predicted or we had talked about, you know, drug addiction earlier in the year. But, you know, I, I just found it so ironic that like all the the par- uh, characters that he portrayed, like in The Wire and like some of the other um, shows that he was in, that it, it, you know, that's, you know, kind of what he passed away from. And I'm just that one hurt. Like he, he was an amazing actor and he's definitely took taken from us way too soon. So. Um, you know, more, more prayers being sent out to his family and everything during this time. But Jesus, that was that was rough to see. But even during the pandemic, you know, mental health, mental health period, which we try our best to, you know, we kind of sprinkle it through each episode. It kind of comes up like, you know, like organically. But, you know, mental health during the pandemic has been a, a huge thing, you know, mindfulness and just, you know, people who have like anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, things like that. So, you know, it's important for everybody to just be taking care of themselves because the pandemic is doing us all no favors. It's it's I mean, Amy Jo already said it like it's it's coming in waves and it's we're in this for the long haul, y'all like that. Yeah. COVID's not going yeah. away. It's 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 really not. Yeah. But um, yeah. So there's been tons that have happened. Um, for those of you all who don't really keep up with the news, don't really keep up with politics, I just want to highlight this, uh, what's going on in Texas really quick. I'll give you guys the Cliff Notes version. So basically what happened is that there's this law in Texas that basically bans, you know, physicians, clinics, so on and so forth from performing an abortion on a patient, um, once there's a detectable heartbeat, which happens around like six weeks of being pregnant. So there was this law that was going on in Texas. And what happened is that the U.S. Supreme Court they declined to block this law from being enacted. So there's a lot of like double negatives in there. Long story short is it came up to the Supreme Court. There was a 5-4 vote, They basically, which is why it's important for us to talk about Supreme Court justices and how long they're allowed to serve and, you know, whether they are, you know, liberal or conservative or in between, whatever. Point is, 
it got up to the U.S. Supreme Court, 5-4 vote. They basically said, hey, we are not going to block this thing from happening in Texas, so let it happen. So this is where we're at. So basically, in the state of Texas, um, any any public citizen, like anybody on the street, can basically report a doctor or report a clinic or report any institution that performs an abortion on any woman once she's past six weeks. Um, and that's a really, really big deal. Um, I can, I'm almost positive because of the stats in the United States. I'm sure we have a listener who has either had an abortion or has a friend that's had an abortion or, you know... It, Every woman who walks the earth is at least one degree away from someone who has needed one or desires one. Like it's, it's very common. Mm -hmm. So what's happening in Texas now, if you guys were to Google this, like literally Texas abortion, there's been a bunch of doctors who are like, they're like, look, I'm out. I'm proud. I performed an abortion. You're not going to tell me I can't. This is part of women's health. You know, like basically being activists and they are facing legal action and it's it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. So the doc, one of the docs that actually is is still performing abortions in his clinic, he actually just got sued. It the uh, it popped up this morning. So we're gonna see like how how this law is gonna stand up in the courts. Um, but I, I forgot the name of the legal entity, but they also are challenging the abortion law. Uh, oh, they are. The Biden, uh, I forgot that aspect. Yeah, yeah the last right. aspect is that the Biden administration, they're actually about to take this to court and say that yeah. the current law is unconstitutional. And that starts as of October the 1st. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Because, I mean, it's, you hear these stories all the time of people actually traveling across. Texas is a big ass state. So they're traveling to other borders, like into other countries where they don't have this law in order to get these abortions done. And there's so many stories that they don't, you know, they don't televise that often, but, you know, you hear women dying from, you know, septic shock of, you know, things that they do at home to try and get rid of these abortions or these these pregnancies. And I what really kind of messed me up with this law is that they don't make exceptions for cases of rape or incest. So, you know, and I think Greg, uh, the governor, Greg Abbott, was trying to, you know, counteract that when um, his reasoning was just so out all over the place it really made no sense but i i can't imagine having to deal with that you know and and being in a state where they will not support you even though this was not your decision to make so that that, that just something needs to happen with this law and it needs to happen soon well you know? the thing is is that this law literally just impacts the people who can't afford to go someplace else to get an abortion and yep. that is really sad because who does it really affect? Doesn't affect the rich, rich people, right? Because if I can't have an abortion this day, I'll go someplace else and do it. That's not a problem, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is the people who can't afford to go someplace else. And this is coming off the heels after they gutted the funding for Planned Parenthood, which was for a lot of people was a kind of a stopgap for getting like not just um, abortion care, but also for reproductive health care. And, you know, the, the courts believe that, that, oh, you know, they do abortions all the time. Like, you know, people don't need that. This is, un, you know, unconstitutional. We need to cut back their funding because this is not allowed. And, you know, now kind of look where we're at right now. Now these people who cannot afford to go 600 miles into another state to get something that's as simple as going to your doctor's clinic and being able to have that freedom to do that, 
you know, it's just it just adds another another barrier for them to get proper women's health care, which I think is ridiculous. I think what what people are are not. I think some people are missing the point because, you know, whether you agree with abortions or not, whether you would get an abortion or not, we're talking about the healthcare system's ability to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. And in trying not to trivialize like, you know, abortions or other chronic diseases, like in healthcare, we have always allowed people to be as irresponsible as they see fit or responsible as they see fit or just have the ability to live and experience the full life experiences they have with life and still say, regardless of your circumstances or your situation, if we can help you stay safe, we will do that. Mm-hmm. So whether intentional or unintentional, whether expected or unexpected, whether through great tra- tragedies or celebrations, and the U.S. healthcare system has said we've got this gigantic system and we should keep people safe. Now, we know that the system is flawed, but I don't understand people's misunderstanding of we're trying to keep women safe. Like we know what happens when you ban abortions. Women have abortions anyway. They have them anyway. Um, they become unsafe. They happen mm-hmm. in places where you can't you know, ensure that people don't get infections, they they don't bleed out, they don't do all these things. And it's been a long time since we've been there. So some people say there's no way possible that we can get back there, but there will be for all the women that we're talking about now, for the women who cannot get out of Texas that need Mm -hmm. this abortion, right? Mm -hmm. To the women that are like, I I simply cannot have another baby. So you cannot strip them of um, women's health, you know, family planning abilities, birth control, all this stuff. Then they get pregnant and they can't get an abortion. And now they're desperate. They're going to end up in some alley somewhere, you know, not true, but like some, some clinic that's running, you know, undercover because they're trying not to, you know, draw attention to themselves and it's going to be unsafe. We've done this before. But then let's, let's say like they didn't do the abortion and they kept the baby. Right. And they keep a baby that they don't want. And they don't have resources to take care of. And then what right. happens? Then this kid becomes becomes a product of the system in a sense, right? And right. then who has to pay for it? You don't want to because you're not going to give resources to pay for that. Right. Wasn't that residency when we were talking about like women's health? And I can't remember who was a speaker, but someone was saying that just by the act of getting pregnant, the chances of violence happening to women increases just because yes. you're pregnant. Yeah, like exactly. not because you're pregnant and and your spouse uh, or your partner is abusive, not because you're pregnant and you're poor, not because you're pregnant and you're in some unsafe environment, just because you're a woman and pregnant. The chances of violent acts happening against you increase. Mm-hmm. That's the country that we live in. And so not only do women have that to, you know, have to manage, you're telling women that any event that you think you're unsafe or any event that you think you're not ready or any event that it just is not going to work out or any event that your life is in danger, right? Maybe you can't carry this baby to term unless you miraculously find yourself not pregnant tomorrow. There's no way you can make that happen if you're past six weeks. And then even with that six week cutoff, like it's, most people don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. So how the hell are you going to know that you need to go in to get an abortion at six weeks when you don't even know if you're pregnant to begin with? 
That means you're like, gonna be peeing is- on sticks like all the time, right? Like you pee mm-hmm. on sticks like you step on the scale. Like I you just gotta have a box of pregnancy <laughs> tests. You like, just gotta be ready. My pregnancy right. test real quick, right? Like, oh, you almost caught me. I gotta yeah. be about four weeks. <laughs> like and then what messed me up is that uh, Abbott was trying to explain the rationale for why the six week cutoff is there. And the dude doesn't even know basic biology for why that, that six week cutoff is ridiculous. Like I, Oh my God. I, ooh, I was so here watching that conference. I'm just like, this, this man literally knows nothing about the woman's body yet. He is supporting this law that goes against everything that we stand against. And that's another thing. A lot of these people that are making the laws are these men and not women. Let's start there, right? Iron, I, I, I don't know why you thought this would be a Cliff Notes version. This could, this could easily take up the entire hour. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I, I I wanted to I wanted to discuss it. This was the only thing I really wanted to discuss because I I feel like it's important just in case we have a listener who because I'm gonna be real with you, I have a lot of friends who don't watch the news anymore because it messes with their mental health. So there's mm-hmm. lots of people who don't even watch the news or they limit mm-hmm. their updates to only certain things. So in case they missed it, this is something that you need to know. And we right. and we have listeners in Texas. So I think it's I think it's important to know that. But even worse than that in that whole Abbott press conference thing, it's like then there was like a section of it where like they were talking about the only reasons why they would approve an abortion and it was like if 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 her giving birth to the baby would cause like debilitating, life-threatening uh inability to even like live her life period then maybe she can get an abortion it was like a maybe and i'm like what like they're like oh maybe if we thought that she was gonna have a heart attack and a stroke and all these other things that maybe we would consider and i'm like okay and then it was like all the it was like the wording was so the 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 wording is so specific on purpose to the point where like because you're right no no it doesn't include rape it doesn't include incest it doesn't include a lot of things it's literally like unless you told me this mother is 100 percent sure gonna die then she needs to have this baby and i'm like wow this wording is so crazy i'm like this is just it just doesn't make any sense i'm like and then i i couldn't even follow why you know rape and incest was not included as part of that that as of that exception like he couldn't even verbalize it either like you literally took away a woman's choice to even have a baby of, of her own. And then, you know, once she has the baby, your guys are, aren't even going to give her the support or anything that she needs to continue caring for that baby, you know, even after that traumatic event, which you guys won't even make an exception for. We would never put men's lives in this much danger, mm-hmm. even if it was yep. because of their own doing. Mm-hmm. Like there's it, there's no circumstance in which we put men's lives in danger like this. Um, in in these circumstances, like if men were carrying babies, we would not say, you know, listen, I don't care if you make a mistake or not, right? But it could be a mistake on purpose, on accident, through trauma or tragedy. Like if it happens to you, it just happens to you. It's yours to keep. Suck it up is essentially what you're telling women. And you know what's interesting? And I didn't think very much of it at the time. I had a patient. Apparently, there were rumors that this might actually happen last year. I might have told y'all about this in private, not the listeners. Y'all know about this. But or maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't remember. I say so many things. It, it leaves my mind. I don't know. But um, I had a patient, and I saw her on a video visit. And then she asked me, and she's like, hey, I'm currently in Texas. And I'm like, okay, because, you know, the pandemic, working remotely, she was in Texas, living with family, whatever. She's like, can you prescribe me plan B? And I was like, 
are you sexually active? And she's like, yeah, but not really active. Like I have a partner and we're starting to kind of get active, but we use protection all the time, you know, but I kind of just want plan B, like just in case. And I was like, well, let's talk about plan B. I'm like, first of all, you don't need a prescription. You know, you can go to the pharmacy. Pharmacies are always stocked with it. You can get it if you need it. But, you know, and I was just kind of talking to her about safe sex overall and that kind of thing. And then she's like, well, I really don't think I'm going to get pregnant, but I kind of feel like I need to have it on hand just in case. I'm like, why? She's like, well, I'm in Texas. And then I was hearing some things from some of my friends in Houston that it might be harder to get an abortion in case something does happen. So I kind of want to stock up on plan B so I don't have to get an abortion because I probably can't get one. And I was like, what? Who said that? And this is like this last summer. And she's like, it's not official, but like people keep talking about it. Like it's a, it's a thing and I'm not from Texas and I don't want to get caught slipping. And at the end, at the time that she said it, I was like, well, I'm sure that's not the case. Let's just talk about safe sex. You know, I went for the more preventative route, but then fast forward a year. Like, wow. And here we are mm-hmm. talking about Texas and not being able to get abortions. And she was like, she was like, yeah, can I get two or three? And I'm like, well, don't go to the pharmacy and just buy out all the plan B. Like, that's not the purpose of it. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, other people, right. I'm like, other people need it. But she was like so paranoid. She's like, well, what if my friend slips up and she can't get an abortion? I'm like, I don't think this is a rule. I don't think this is a law. <laughs> like I was so blown by the whole conversation, but I, I was happy that she was thinking ahead. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't think that's a law, girl. Like I don't, I don't think and you know. The crazy, girl, like, and, the crazy thing and is, here like, we you are. Need to think about that. Like in in a society that supports women's health and reproductive rights, you that should not even be a question of having to stock up on Plan B and contraceptive methods because the state that you're in doesn't support that. Like, but do we, she though, heard whispers. But do we, she heard whispers about it. Do we really support? Do we really support women's health? Do we really support? We don't. And I, mm-hmm. you know, this today we're going to get into all all aspects <laughs> of you know women's reproductive health, and there's no hardcore proof that the U.S. healthcare system has women's reproductive health right all encompassing in in the that they support the best interests of women. There's nothing. There's nothing there to support it. We're still fighting for women's rights to have like birth control for free, right? When when that became a deal, remember how like pissed people were when under Obamacare you like could get your birth like you, if you were gonna take the money, you had to provide birth control. Like people were like up in arms. And the same people that are up in arms about it are like, Yes, good job, abortion law. And I'm like, Well, you can't have it both ways. Like people are gonna have sex. Y'all have sex from the most liberal to the most conservative. People are having sex. Listen, we are doctors, we know y'all are having sex. <laughs> Which means that <laughs> pregnancies will occur. And we're essentially saying that if anything goes wrong in any component of your of your reproductive uh experience, women, not just just women, we are not here for you, essentially. Now, we said that all over the place, but Texas is usual as screaming it. You know, they've always got to go off their way to show how dysfunctional they are. Um, <laughs> I'm like, first y'all was messing with people's power. Now y'all mess with people's, you know, ovaries and uteruses. And I'm just like, listen, so I can't have no heat and I can't I can't have sex. Like what I'm coming to Texas right. for? Like y'all doing too much. Doing too <laughs> I can't much. do either one. Right? Doing too much. Doing the most. I can't. I can't be, they say I can't they be don't warm in the winter. I can't be warm in the winter and I can't get laid because... Right. Right. You know, either right. one of those things can go wrong. Right. So they say they don't want I, you there. <laughs> they don't want yo, you there. Yo, listen, right? I, I'm gonna have to be out because mess around and 
Right. Yeah, it'd be trouble in Texas. Like it's just and it's so <laughs> <laughs> it's so unfortunate because you know women well, they want are, you to, they want you to find they want you to find a cuddle buddy to keep you warm because you don't have heat, but then y'all can't smash because you, you right you better not make any friction because <laughs> if you light more than a match up in there, like you are in trouble. You on your I own. I mean that is physics one hundred one. You create the friction so you can generate heat. You so, know what I'm saying? Okay, <laughs> right. That's so you know. <laughs> Um, just like golly, and so I, I was disappointed. I, I was just like, you, you got to be kidding me! Like that, we all are together. Like, yeah, this makes sense, but it's crazy that so- you now have to think about which state you're going to settle in now. Because if you're in a red state, it's it's a, so much harder. But if you're in a blue state, it's you know a little bit more liberal. Like our our governor um, in Illinois actually announced, like he he rebukes the the Texas law and was saying like all these protections he would have for women if they came over and, you know, came to Illinois and settled here. But, but they got to get there. They, That's they the do. problem. Yeah. The people that I'm most concerned with, like, like uh, who was Dr. Noto? I think you said it. Like, they got to get there. Like, the women who, like, don't have anything aren't oh, like, Chris. oh, yeah. yeah. No, no abortion? Fine. Let me go on over here to... Right. And, Let me go to Chicago real quick. Like what? Right. And the most, and the most part, you live in those red states a lot of times because the taxes are low and the cost of living is a lot better. But because of that, the downside is you have less services, right? Mm-hmm. If you need Medicaid, you got to be like, even if you're making zero dollars, you still can't get any any uh, Medicaid. I was going to say, you know, the red states, they don't believe in like Medicaid expansion or anything like that mm-hmm. because that's but because they like to allocate their money to other things that they think is important. That's kind of how it's kind of how this goes, you know, and since they're not putting the money towards, you know, the marginalized populations, you know, lower socioeconomic, they don't they don't prioritize that. They don't prioritize helping, you know, people who don't have for themselves because of, you know, obstacles and trials and tribulations. That's not what red states do. So then now if you decide to live in a red state and you find yourself in a situation, I mean, I mean, you have to creek with no paddle, my friend. So it's 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 rough. And everybody's like, oh, man, that would never be me. That would never be me until it, until is. it is you <laughs> until it is you yeah. or until it's your cousin right. or it's your daughter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, or it's or it's someone that you care about and you love and you realize you live somewhere that doesn't, you know, you're anyway. So we'll see how this all goes. October 1st is going to be, you know, the Biden administration is doing a whole another set of unconstitutional, you know, court hearing thing. So we'll follow it. We'll keep you guys posted. But that's the main thing that I had for uh, for trending What's trending in medicine. Unless you guys had anything else you want to discuss before the main topic. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that was it. Well, we're about to take a sharp swing in the opposite direction. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, today uh, we're going to talk about fertility, ironically enough. (laughs) Because you know what? Because I'm sick of people pimping uteruses out, right? Like women cannot catch a break. Like people... Women are under fire. What they under fire for what they are doing and what they are not doing with their vaginas and their uteruses, and you just cannot win nope. either way. So um, 
there was an article in the New York Times, which uh, a group of doctors were talking about out here on social media. And uh, it dawned on me that, you know, this is a topic that I think we need to discuss because it was not something we discussed in training, right? Like in the realm of reproductive health, we got lots of training on STD prevention, pregnancy prevention, uh, screenings, you know, birth control methods, you know, how to, how to place them, how to remove them, all these things. But we Mm -hmm. do not talk about fertility. And so fertility is really only talked about in the personal experience amongst your friends in casual settings. And when you talk to women about fertility, the best that they get is somewhere around 30. They happen to be at, you know, their primary care annual exam and as they or their, you know, pap smear. And while they were sitting there getting ready to get dressed before it was time to go out the door, their doctor was like, oh, hey, hey, do you want kids? And if she if the woman is single or, you know, not in a committed relationship or, you know, not at the point where they're having that conversation with somebody, then I think women, particularly black women, don't know the answer. And that becomes the end of the conversation. You might mm-hmm. get a, oh, well, you're not getting any younger. So it's something you should think about. Right. And then that kind of has really become the end of the physician patient experience in reproduction. Right. And so I just felt like, especially with everything going on, that if we are going to talk about WAP and talk about abortions and talk about, you know, STDs and we're going to talk about penises and all these things, we owe it <laughs> to women. Uh, women of all colors, but especially women of color, to have a conversation about fertility because it is important that I think women know what the deal is. So I like how you did that. I brought it full circle. I yeah. like that. Hey, get so, into it. Uh, on average right now, I think the average age that women are um, having kids is like 27. For physicians, uh, according to the article, it's a little bit older. They're, we're giving birth at about the age of 32. And for a lot of women, particularly, and so even though this article was focused on physicians, I'm just going to expand it, right? I'm going to make it really, this would not be a hypothesis that would count in a research article. So before people get on me, I understand that. But we're just going (laughs) to expand it and just talk about working women in general, because whether you're working as a lawyer or a doctor, whether you're working as a waitress, right? If you're putting in 40 hours, 40 plus hours, and you're trying to juggle everything, and now take care of your parents that may be at home sick with things like COVID and stuff like that. Like it has just gotten very stressful for women. And so they were saying that in addition to um, getting pregnant later on, then they're also being complicated with all these comorbidities, especially women of color, right? So diabetes is increasing their risk of infertility, hypertension, obesity, and all these things. And so these are all coming together to really cause some problems that we're not talking about. So this also gets um, complicated by social media. Oh, man, this is going to be a good topic. We should have brought this up. And it's not done yet. So, you know, recently in the news, um, there have been all of the um, reports from like Facebook, Instagram, where Facebook, Instagram kind of know like that they're manipulating people's feelings and emotions about body image and stuff like that. And they know they were creating an overall negative experience you know, based on what they put out there, but they didn't care, you know, entering, you know, the Janet Jackson's, the, you know, 
Haley Berry's, the Tina Fey's that mm-hmm. are having these children, you know, late later in age and they're coming out ha- happy, healthy. And so it's making people feel like, oh, I can have children. And from the fertility standpoint, that just isn't true, right? And so for every one of those women that are in People Magazine posing beautifully with their, you know, handsome baby girl, I mean, baby boy or baby girl, there are hundreds if not thousands of other women that are suffering in silence because they're not having those experiences. And so we got to really kind of have better conversations with women. Mm-hmm. So why this matters? Okay. So let's take you back to the beginning, right? So your ovaries people, we're back to basic biology. <laughs> if you are a girl and you have ovaries, this one is for you. So um, about at 20 weeks gestation, right? When you're about 20 weeks old, that is the highest amount of, eggs you're gonna have in your ovaries and that number is like around six to seven million right um by the time you are delivered you're down to one to two million by the time you hit puberty you've got about uh 300 500 300 000 eggs at puberty and then by the time you're 37 you're down to twenty five thousand. what a decline by the time you're 51 you got about a thousand eggs left okay like that's it. So you get this rapid decline, right? In this, in this window, right? It just kind of like picks up speed and you really lose the amount of eggs. Your decline in fertility starts at 32. The age of 32 is really the time fertility starts to decline, right? But you really don't get like that rapid decline happens at around 37. However, if you remember, I told you that the average, you know, physician or I'm assuming working woman is having babies at about 32, which means that there is a high percentage of a chance that by the time women are starting to have babies, they could run into fertility issues, whether they know it or not. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's really become a big issue. And so we are not, you know, addressing it. So um, I talked to a few fertility specialists and it is their expectation that, you know, a part of the women's health education is the discussion about fertility. Now, I don't know about you all, but I don't ever remember having personally um, at any appointment having a discussion about fertility. No, Anybody? Man. I mean, no. seriously. No. no like, and, and you know, generally when you come in and you're doctor to doctor, like they tell you things, but I never. What were you going to say, Dr. Chris? I was going to say, you know, I'm all, just from this conversation, I feel like I take fault in that too, because I really haven't probably discussed it as much as I probably should with my patients. And a lot of times I think it's because when I catch them. So sometimes Mm -hmm. I catch them after they had kids and I don't even mention it. Or I catch them because they got some STD and then it's like a quick thing. Like I don't have the time to really sit and discuss that with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Even in training and how I've come to like run my visits and stuff, when in the beginning... You know, fresh, brand new doctor. I never was intentional about talking about fertility mm-hmm. because it wasn't part of how they had trained me to to conduct the visit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like there's certain things you're hitting. You're like, all right, are you sexually active? Men, women, both. You know, are you using protection? Had any STDs? It's like there's like this checklist that you hit, but nowhere on there is it like, hey. So let's talk about like, you know, your future plans. You want to have kids, egg freezing, fertility. Like that's like not in there. Like that's not on the checklist. Mm -hmm. 
and you realize that it really it really should be and you should be more intentional about it you as in like me as in mm-hmm. us as in physicians you know i mean what was nice is i mean with my medical school we had the option of doing an elective with the uh, reproductive and endocrinology clinic um in here in chicago and you know we uh, we were able to see like during a a visit with them like like kind of that talk that they would have with the patient you know to kind of give them their options even like uh the data that shows with like how successful they would be with like proceeding with those um those different procedures but honestly, all those talks, like what Dr. Sunshine said, those start in the primary care clinic. And I feel like our training, um, just in general, not not just with our training that we had, you know, we don't spend enough time on that, on being able to like, you know, kind of get into those talks and being able to, you know, kind of suss out like what 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 is your plan for, you know, do you want to start a family? How do you want to start a family? When do you want to do it? Um, and then kind of giving their options for, you know, what they would need to do in the interim until they see the specialist to, you know, after they've tried a couple of times and, you know, had that uh, trial period essentially. But, you know, I definitely agree that we do not get enough training for that uh, area of medicine, you know, currently in any, uh, any program right now in the U S so. Mm-hmm. I was going to say no, no, because if you are in a reproductive endocrine clinic Mm -hmm. then once once the patient makes it there that's the main focus because if they're ending up in that clinic then of course you're talking about like what are our options let's go Mm -hmm. but like i agree the on the front end you know it's not it's not as high on the priority chain as like right you know do i talk up do i talk about like fertility as much as i talk about like hey get your pap get your mammogram like you know like preventative health stuff that's drilled into us like crazy no i guess in a way it's not really seen as preventative it's more of they they don't it's really like you know something they don't come to you for but you know it's something that will probably come up during the course of a visit that you're like oh let me you know refer out for this but it's not part of our like you know normal workflow into the in, in a primary care clinic so that's sometimes why it probably just gets missed um, and but that definitely needs to change with like all family medicine programs without you know throughout the country. Like that's something that needs to be at the forefront of our of our training and also of like what we do in our clinic, especially you know as part of one of the the pillars of women's health. Like having babies is part of that. So I, I'm not sure why that's not more emphasized within our training. The I think the first time it dawned on me that I was not hitting the hitting the the talking points the way I should was when women were coming and they were like, Hey, can you send me to a fertility specialist? And I thought, Nope, I sure can't. Like, I don't, I don't know any of them. And then I got lucky because, um, our fertility, we have a fertility center now in our health system. And we always, we always did, but they were in our, um, they were in another location. They were in our main location. And now we've got Mm. one locally, like in our city. And so when they, when they came next door, it was like, literally, I was like, oh my God, they are next door. So I, I ran over there and not only are they up and running, I also see that there's like another mocha doc, right? This is a chocolate doc that is over there and she does fertility. So I was super hyped. Um, I ended up doing a, um, video podcast with her, like on COVID and women's health, something like that. Ended up having some really good conversations. And that's really kind of what triggered me to at least start like, okay, we've got to do this. And so there's some observations that I've noticed 
Um, and they talked about these in the article as it related to physicians. So one of the things that they were saying about physicians is that um, uh, we find dating harder, right? We meet people a little bit later. And so since there's no, since there's no person that you're with, like there's no marriage coming up, there's no relationship, there's no partnership, then it also kind of shifts when you have the conversation. And um, in the traditional route, you know, you refer out. So what Dr. Nono said is right. You refer out for very specific reasons. If they are what, less than, less than 30 and they've been having intercourse for a year and find themselves to be unsuccessful, like rigorous intercourse, like at least four times a month or something like that. If you're four times, if you are having sex four times a month, um, regardless of if you're tracking your window or not, at least 80% of those people will result in a pregnancy over um, six months. It's a rough estimate, right? Yep. Don't kill me on the exact stats, right? We're just, we are not fertility specialists. We are your primary care doctors that are instructed to catch things early. So keep that in mind. So if you are young and you've been having intercourse with a partner for 12 months and it has not resulted in a pregnancy, then the next step should be to refer you out. If you're 35 and up, then we can shorten it down to six months. That's generally what we were taught, right? It's that basic, you know, these are your things and then you send them out. But that requires a couple of things. It requires, um, one, you to sometimes initiate it and or two, that person to have done something attempting to get pregnant, right? And that misses, I think, the chunk of the women that are hurting the worst because we've got all of these 30 to 40-year-olds that aren't trying to get pregnant right now, that don't have a partner, that don't have a plan. And so since they don't have those things, they're not going to fall in our referral trigger per the training. Right. That's problematic because everybody that we're talking about and all these articles about fertility and all this stuff are people who found someone later on, right? Um, Could not have kids until then. And so we've created this thing where unless you, especially for, you know, especially in black communities, are you married? Do you have a man right now? Can y'all have kids right now? Well, when you're ready to have kids, then you can talk to your doctor. And by the time they go, they get there, that is simply too late. That is so true what you said, because that's exactly how I think. If someone comes and tells me that, they sometimes I get patients that come in like, oh, I just want to see somebody just to check to see if I can have kids. And I'm like, mm, doesn't really work that way. Like, did you try? Because maybe you can. You just didn't really try. Right. And I don't think to like maybe they just need to talk to somebody. Right. And see what the options are. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. I don't take it. I don't normally take it to that extra step. I'm looking at it like. Well, I got to, if I'm going to refer you, you got to at least have tried and it didn't work. Then that's appropriate referral. And and I will tell you that it's only now. I am very intentional about asking about fertility because 25 and older, they mm-hmm. definitely get the question, um, okay, but what, what are we going to do about babies? Like, because unless you are certain that you absolutely do not ever want to have kids, and I think that we need to have a conversation about your fertility. And so what I generally end up telling women, especially my 30-year-olds and up, like, listen, someday you may meet someone and you may want to have babies with them. What's going to be heartbreaking is if we did not make a plan now only to discover that, oh, if you had only come to see me three years earlier, four or five years earlier, we could have done, you know, these you know, 
five steps, but now that you're here, we can't do anything. And now that I've been having these conversations, I'm actually finding a lot of fertility issues and women that I would not have expected. Um, you know, 25 year olds with premature ovarian failure. I know we call it something else now, but that's the, that is the diagnosis I have in my head. And I would not have known it until I actually started talking to the, the special paying attention to like medicines they prescribe. And the only reason why I noticed it, I was like, hmm, this sure looks like some fertility treatments. And I'm like, hey, what are you what are you on this for? And, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, this doctor gave it to me, but I didn't like how it made me feel. And so I just stopped taking it. And it was only after asking her questions that I'm like, wait a minute, let me dig through your chart. She's got fertility issues and she's early 20s, right? So I'm literally sitting mm-hmm. down to be like, hold on a second. I think you misunderstand everything that's going on and you got to lay it out. And then, you know, they're like, oh, well, I didn't want kids right now, but I sure as heck did want kids. And so, you know, it's it's directing traffic in a way that I think we have not thought about it. And um, our ability to do that could be the difference between women having babies or not having babies and having them safely. Mm-hmm. Because in addition to that, even if you get women pregnant older, they're at, especially, you know, physicians, which the article is about, but women in general, um, they're at higher risk for preeclampsia, for miscarriages, for early deliveries, for complications, gestational diabetes, which all comes with risk of life to mom and baby. So, you know, we've got to we've got to just do a better job at asking. So we know that fertility starts to decline at 32, but you start to see a sharp decline after 37. Right. So keep in mind at 37, somewhere between 37 and 50, which, you know, for people who are already in their 30s to their 50s, does not take long at all. Right. So from 37 to 50, you're essentially going to lose about 20,000 eggs mm-hmm. twenty four thousand eggs right so some people say well you know why don't you just freeze your eggs well i think here's where the healthcare disparities and all this stuff come into play because it is expensive it is so expensive so there's lots of different things that happen when you go to a fertility specialist like so um because i think also another problem is that we we don't really know the process of what happens when they go like fertility clinics are the place you refer people out to and you wait for them to come back with a baby or not. Right. Like, Oh, <laughs> right. you had a baby. <laughs> yeah, Congratulations. Right. Whatever you did over there was good girl. Was you having sex in the office? What happened? Like we don't really like talk about it. So, um, you you got to go and you got to have an assessment, right? So they've got to do basic labs just to make sure like, do you have good hormone levels? Do you have, um, you know, a good fertility count, right? They can do all of that like in your blood work, right? So um, Dr. Chris, I send patients over, you know, all the time, right? Like 35 and up, I send them, I put the referral in because I want them to know like what their um, AMH levels are their anti-malaria, anti-malarian hormone levels are. Cause that tells you like, do you have a good egg reserve or not? So I want them to know that. Like I want them to know like their, all of their important hormone levels so they can have at least one conversation with the specialist. So the fertility specialist can tell them whether or not you're free to not worry about it. Swing from the ceilings. I don't care. Or I like to bring something to your attention that you may want to be concerned about. Question. 
So do mm-hmm. you do it a lot of times, even before 35, like if they come and express a concern, do you just send them yeah. over? I do. Right. I've got a, I've got a, like right now I've got a, I've got a 30 year old. That's a really bad diabetic. Um, that's got some hypertension. In this case, she is married, but wants children. And so my, I'm cons- like, I'm trying to fix her chronic diseases. Right. And I will work on that, but I'm concerned that she probably is not someone that should be having that. Should they should, if she wants children, we should go ahead and have these children now while she's younger so that the complications of her chronic diseases don't play a role or I want her to go because if the timing is bad now, if, you know, you know, fertility or MFM or any of those people say, "Mm, we got some specific A1C goals here that we need you to hit. I don't want her to find that out at 35 when she could have been working on it at 30. Right. So I will Mm -hmm. send them, right. I will send them or I will at least recommend it. And I have discovered that no one says no when I send them, right? I I really do think, especially Black women, like this is more of a plea to Black women than anything because I think the world has spent a lot of time sexualizing us in every way except for when it comes to having babies, right? Like everybody puts money on that we are the, we're the, the baddest bees, right? We super sex kittens, right? Like, don't nobody do it like us, right? You know, we're the masters of twerkception. That's a new word. Just make that up. <laughs> you making up words now. I'm making up words. I ain't even been drinking either. Um, <laughs> but you know, like Monday, we do y'all. all this stuff, and, and then we also we over we you know we kind of we've got discipline women especially black women about STDs and sexual health. Like, you know, we, we overindulge them in those conversations. And then we go military silent on fertility. We're not asking them any questions. Um, so I need women, um, but I also especially need black women to gain access to a component of healthcare that we simply don't because most time, most black women that I am talking to, they don't really know the answer to the question because they like all people like, yeah, I want kids. But if nobody's here, then it's hard for me to imagine. Like, I'm, you know, most women aren't sitting around daydreaming about children, even if they think they're going to be good moms, even if they wouldn't mind having kids. If, you know, there's not a partner around that they feel safe in having children with or if he still hadn't popped the question yet. Right. You still trying to figure out what this man's going to do or 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 this woman, right? Y'all can't settle down. You're trying to figure out, you know, what's happening. Like every women are often like kind of in this gray zone for extended more for longer periods of time. And I feel like black women get affected by later later life relationships more than anyone that I know. And because it's happening, then they don't feel they don't feel any pull to say, Hey, can I just talk about having kids even if I don't know how I'm going to execute the plan? Black women are not allowed that opportunity. It's also been, I mean, you touched on this a little earlier in what you were saying. It's also been a little taboo because there's been so much ingrained in you, like growing up, especially like if you grew up as like a black American or even, you know, Dr. Chris can talk about the black Caribbean perspective, but like, it's been so much ingrained in you that like, why are you talking about kids? Where's the husband? There's so much ingrained in you that this is supposed to happen in a certain order. 
you know, they talk about it all the time from when you start going to churches like a little girl. It's very much so like, whoa, don't you go having sex? We don't do that here. It's all this like fear and fire and brimstone and yeah. I don't know, insert my insert my Southern Baptist upbringing. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Hey, look, <laughs> preachers get in the building. I agree with you. It's all, it's all like, and the Lord, you know. Just <laughs> say it, the Lord. And if you have any problems with it, then you, you take know? it to the Lord, right? If he did it for Sarah, he'll do it for you. What you mean? You got to be worried yeah, about it. The like, Lord will find you a man. Like, right. it's all of this, it's all of this. I mean, it's like, right. it's right. half cultural, half like religious, like undertones, like at least being in the U.S., like, you know, you can't have a kid before you get married. Like, that's just a, a big taboo here. And it's still, it's still is but i feel like with our the new generation coming up you kind of see a little bit more leeway with that but then you know you kind of get into the other argument that you know again the sexualization of black women in this country is not is not something to be overlooked you know i feel like people just think that we're we're automatically fertile until we're just not you know and that just goes up into like our our older ages which is not it's not the truth you know it's kind of like that argument where, you know, black people have a different pain tolerance. Like we are, we are still human. Like the rest of you, we just, we just look different. I mean, it's, you know, we've got a little extra melanin. It's, it's whatever, but you know, our, our anatomy and our biology, we're all, we are essentially the same person. It's just, you know, the, the conversations that we do get in some of these clinics is a little bit different and a little bit, you know, tailored for, you know, honestly it's tailored based on our race which i think is is not is not a thing that we should we need to be doing keep doing no but i was just gonna say like as like my caribbean background going i always said i even mentioned it in like when we were talking about like um how we are with food like it's very contradictory right like they tell you one thing and then they tell you something else it's just like when you're a kid they're like you gotta study you got no time for boys you gotta study you gotta do well in school Right. So you do that. Okay. And then once you get do do well in school, where's the husband? What? Well, I was doing (laughs) well in school. Where where was I going to find time to get the husband? Where did I meet him? And then you get to a a certain age where they're like, we don't even care about the husband. Just have the baby. And it's like, what? Like, so you just say, just just pick up anybody on the street and it's okay as long as I have a baby. (laughs) You know, yes. Yes, yeah. how we do it. Like I don't understand. Like I'm so confused. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? So really what I was supposed to do is study, right? Find a man in between that, right? Get married somewhere in between there and still manage to finish school and have the baby. But yep. nobody told me that. Nobody told me that. But you know what? You bring up such an interesting point though. I feel like and we were talking about this, so and I don't know if Dr. Sunshine is going to bring it up, but we were talking about like you know on the West Coast, like fertility is or the the talk, the discussions about yeah. fertility is a little bit more advanced and privy to some circles, right? You've got to have a little bit of access and some, you know, you've got to have an affluent background or some kind of tech background. But the one thing I always think about um, for women, particularly poor women or women of color, is that the correction of fertility is never in how it is never from the approach on how do I prepare her to make her most successful for when she's ready. The correction for women of color is how do I make her better at being prepared for for a partner? Mm-hmm. We're always correcting her behaviors for a partner. And we, we've never 
socially made an attempt to say, hey, how do we talk about, you know, in preparation of like we never talk about, well, of course he's coming. So when they like when you talk about like that's a prime example, like as in a medical student, you know, you were talking, you know, and they were like, well, when are you going to meet somebody or when you were going, when you going to get married? You know, oh, well, she, you know, it's either, oh, she ain't got time because she's busy. Well, I can attest to you, we weren't that busy. We would have found somebody because I don't know what y'all think I'll be happening in medical school. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not saying I did it, but I'm just saying I was in medical school with people and folks got married. Like, they found they the time. <laughs> um, but we always are trying to correct women of color on changing their behaviors that make them better prepared to be in a relationship so then they could get pregnant right that's the only lecturing that's the only that's the only um discussion you get right it isn't like you're sitting around with a bunch of women and they say you know what take it from me go ahead and get your eggs frozen and and when he's time when it's time you know what you'll you will unthaw those puppies and you will still have those babies anyway right like you never get that or you never even get even if our even if our aunts or our cousins or our mothers or our sisters didn't know and they there still was not the well you should ask your doctor you know because we still want you to be ready to have these babies when you're ready like no one ever pushes you on that what you get correction on is can you fix your behavior or your weight or your tone or your hair so that this man will pick you so that you can have babies. Um, and that's insane. That's insane. And it's still <laughs> going to end in infertility for some women. And so that becomes it. That becomes a real issue. I wonder if part of it is the thought that um, the technology that we have for reproductive endocrinology, a lot of people still think that's fairly new. And, you know, it's like this, you know, sci-fi type of experiment, like, oh, you know, they're going to go in, harvest my, oh, I hate that word, harvest my eggs and freeze them until, like, I'm ready to have kids. But, I mean, real talk, this, this technology has been around for a while. It's just, you know, we don't have the, the, know, the know-with-all or the knowledge to know about it, you know, to actually request, like, hey, you know, is this an option for me, you know, when I want to walk into my doctor's office? So I, I think that may have something to do with why people are so apprehensive about asking about this this technology. I don't even I don't even know if they're I don't know maybe I'm getting a little too deep. You know I get you know you guys know I do that. I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm getting too deep with it. But I don't even feel like my patients are apprehensive to ask about it because of the technology. But I feel like when I do bring it up to them, which I started to do within the last year or so especially being in the Bay, it comes up often, more often now. When I do bring it up to Black women, the look on their face is like, half of it's like surprised. And the other half of it is like, yeah, I want to know about that. Like, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a half and half. It's not like a, Ugh, I'm not, I'm anti. It's just that the thought had never occurred to them. Mm-hmm. But I feel like after everything we've been talking about, after you've been conditioned to think a certain way for so many years, it just doesn't naturally come up to them to ask me about that. Mm-hmm. So then I have to like, I have to acknowledge that aspect about the culture and ask and bring it up to them. Cause if I bring it up to them, then they're like, I never really thought about it, but tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. And I'm, that's a good yeah, point. They're like, especially if they tell me what they do and I know that they might work at a job that might cover part of it. I'm like, Oh, this is a perk your job offers. You should 
you know, let's talk about your family planning. But I don't know, for Black women, I just don't think it naturally comes out to them to just be like, hey, Doc, tell me about that egg freezing. Because where would they have, they have gotten that from? Unless they have a friend in other circles, because women in other circles talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. White women in other circles talked about this when they were in college. They, they've had their eggs frozen forever ago. Like, yes. they, like, you know, so if they have friends in other circles, then it might come up that way. But if you're a Black woman in Black spaces, it's usually not coming up. Yes. Because like Amy Jo said, your aunties aren't bringing it up. Your mom's not. No one's no one's bringing this up. Nope. If you don't have any kids right now, it's because you need to figure out how to find this man. Not because you need to make a plan <laughs> for your for your eggs, right? Like, um, and then it also gets into the concept of, you know, black in itself is not a is not a monolith, right? And so there's all kind of, you know, like what kind of black are you? Like, are you Caribbean? Are you black Nigerian? Are you, you know, black American? Like, you know, African American? Like, what, you know, how do you identify? Because all those cultures then also had, there's also subcultures in, in the whole experience of black and how we see relationships when you get married, when you have kids also differs, right? I think African American women probably are on the back end of the longest to marriage, you know, now it seems where other cultures seems to still have like, you know, any event that you like, you're dragging your feet on it. I'm going to make sure you meet such and such is really nice son. This is going to make good sense to you. You know, we're going to meet, we're going to introduce y'all. Y'all like each other, huh? Don't you want to do it? So, um, right. Like, don't you want to hook up? Like y'all make sense, right? He fine. You fine. Y'all both making money. Like all this kind of stuff. Like when I, when I'm observing other black experiences that are not, you know, like me, African-American, there still seems to be at least a little bit more openness about discussions about relationships, but there's still not in black culture, this big discussion about fertility. Fertility is only discussed in your ability to get into a relationship in which you can have kids. Right. And we got to stop that. Yes, Mm -hmm. I agree. I just wanted to say that I think it's also the way we approach the question, like you were kind of saying too, because it's kind of like, well, I know in my mind, how I would think about freezing eggs is because I know that I do want to have kids at a certain time, right? I do know that I do want kids, but then maybe I don't know. Like if I don't know, I should do it. Not because I know that later on I want to do it. Yep. Framing it that way, because I think when you ask women, what's your plan? A lot of times they're like, I don't know. I never really thought about it. Do you want kids now? I'm not quite sure. Exactly. Chris, I completely agree. Because if you are unsure and you don't have a plan, in theory, that's even more of a reason for you to freeze them because you don't know where your plan may lead you. Yes. And if you end up going on a certain route and that ends up being, you know, discussing children, then it's good for you to have had that backup plan. That is literally... It doesn't always have to... It doesn't always have to be the girl that's like, oh, yeah, I know for sure I want kids and I want 10. Right. Like, no. Like, no. That has been my whole spin. I've been telling my patients these days, like, actually, fertility is for the women who the fertility clinic is really, you know, for the women who don't know what the end game is going to be for these kids. Right. Women who are in relationships or who are sexually active and, and getting pregnant with no problem. They don't need the fertility specialist. Right. Women who are young, just got married or just entered into a committed relationship and are agreeable to having kids with their partner. They don't necessarily need it. I, you know, 
all the things that come up as we talk about the difficulties and the complications of fertility involve women that were without a plan or were with a plan that started too late. So if as early as 32, but I can see some decline in my fertility and, and, and we know that at 37, we're going to really start to enter into some trouble. I can't tell you how many 37 to 45 year olds that I know that are just getting married. Um, that are just now starting to have kids and all these things. And can those women have children? Yes. Can you have children in your forties? Yes. Does it get complicated? Absolutely. Um, if if that's the lot that you've drawn, you know, fine. Right there. There are 40 year old women that have had children. I literally talked to, um, someone, uh, a couple days ago who was in their forties and got pregnant on their first fertility attempt. So we know it happens, but it doesn't happen for everybody that easily. And so, you know, that's the thing. Now, I don't want to miss this point because one of the things that I think comes up that prevents young women, particularly young women that have limited resources, like young medical students or young undergraduates or young law students or people who are working service jobs and not paying you a whole lot of money, is that the cost to treatment for fertility is very, very, very expensive. And the U.S. has not done a good job at offering insurance to help cover some of these expenses. So a, a new visit, a, a new visit costs just to come in to see the fertility specialist can range anywhere from 200 to $400. That is, um, you know, that's not really including like any blood test analysis or something like that. And I generally try to be upfront with my patients to say, this is what I expect the cost to be. But I think it's worth the expense because I think it will help you lay out a plan. You might walk out and say, I think I'm okay with my odds. But if I have gotten you to the table so that you talk to somebody who can tell you what your odds are, then I feel my job was done enough. But that's about two to $400. Um, But let's just go ahead and get into like the cost of like treatments. So... Um, intrauterine insemination, which they also call IUI, that can range from three to three hundred to a thousand dollars each round. But that's just the act of the IUI, right? That's like that's just going in the clinic and actually getting the IUI. Keep in mind that you may still have to do some of the injectable drugs and stuff like that, and those are expensive because those can range anywhere from a thousand to thirty five hundred dollars depending on what kind of stimulation you need to do to your cycle, even if you're doing IUI. So, you know, that adds up. And then you get into your IVF cycles, right? Um, In vitro fertilization. So in vitro fertilization is when we say, okay, look, we are going to try to make as many eggs in a round as possible. So they're trying to make women. So they're going to give you all this medicine to stimulate your eggs to produce as many crops of eggs as possible. And we're going to mature them all at the same time. So for anybody that's missed any of our previous discussions, generally when women go through a menstrual cycle, you make a crop of eggs and you mature one, right? Like you bring it forth this crop and you say, behold, you are the chosen one. So your body makes one mature egg. <laughs> you pop that puppy out. Sometimes you might make two, hence twins. Um, well, one way to have twins. And if you fertilize it, great, you get pregnant. If you don't fertilize it, women have a period. When you're doing IVF, 
you use medicines to mature multiple eggs at the same time and you take those. You take those and uh, you put them with the sperm and you make embryo. You use those embryo then to plant them into a uterus to get a woman pregnant. Now, that seems easy enough, but it's complex, right? It requires timing and lots of injectable medicines and lots of analysis. And you make this embryo and they freeze them. And then when it's time to get you pregnant, they put it in. Hopefully the pregnancy takes and you have a baby. But the cost on that, y'all, is twelve to $17,000, that's just the IVF procedure itself. We're not talking about the injectable medications, which could easily be another three to $8,000. So the total cost of the experience can easily be $25,000. Mm-hmm. So, and I say this to women that are out there, maybe you're in your late thirties, maybe you're in your forties. Um, maybe you're having some fertility issues and you think, oh, if I had just done it when I was 20, Girl, listen, I ain't had $25,000 when I was 20. So, you know, welcome to the experience of being, you know, women of color, women, you know, socioeconomic issues. Like, and it's cash and carry because most insurance companies don't cover it. That is not covered by Medicaid, right? Nope. It's not covered by most traditional insurances. Um, Only recently have some insurances, you know, added it on really as a lure to attract younger professions right like hey come do this i'm gonna throw this in for you so there's a cost to fertility that you know nobody is talking about and i think women need to know because in the event that you've got no choice but to do iui or ivf you need to save some coins because um it's gonna cost yep it's gonna cost a lot so what's the cost of freezing so the freezing is not that far off, right? Because you still need those same injectable. Um, uh, the freezing cost, the national average is $7,500. Mm, mm. Man. Um, <laughs> was that a time to call Dr. Noto? Was that like a, <laughs> like a $7,500? Like and, and here's the issue, right? <laughs> so... <laughs> That and that's and that's just for the that's just for retrieving them and freezing them, right? Um, that I think that cost only covers freezing them for like a year or two. Oh, like beyond that, you gotta pay somebody to store them. Yeah. And the storage fees can be about two thousand dollars a year. Yeah. So um money. So much who money. Who had to right? Like when I was 21, I didn't have ten thousand dollars to give to freezing my eggs. And even if I did have it at 21, if, if a doctor or a parent or someone hadn't, hadn't have been saying like, listen, you can't see it right now, but this makes sense. I wouldn't have done it. Nope. So I, I can only imagine if I told some 20 year olds like, yeah, go freeze your eggs. And they came back with the cost. They're going to be like, no, listen here. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Uh, not, not in the least. Right. That's tuition. Uh, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> So, you know, I it's mean, so they're also hella fertile at 20. So that's probably the last thing. That's probably not even a thing that they're thinking about, like in no. their 20s. Like, oh, I'll find somebody like, you know, go to this crap party. Listen, at 21, you're still focused on trying not to get pregnant. What? What? It's it's such a, it's such a mind switch. It's such a mind switch. Right, right. right. It'd be confusing. It's it's not like when we're going into the clinic for like our regular, uh, regular preventative checkups, like they're not throwing at us like, oh, I mean, you're trying to start a family, you know, like what, what are we doing with that? They're like, wait, 
Didn't you just try to tell me about contraception just like two minutes before this? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> right. No, so I, I can understand why people would be confused like in that age. But honestly, that's it's kind of like a a catch twenty two. Like we we have to give that teaching at a point where. I mean, you probably would have the highest sex rate if you decide to, you know, proceed down that path. But it's again, you know, if you don't hear about it, you're not going to think about it. And then, you know, you get to your 30s and you're like, oh, maybe I should have done this like 10 years prior. You know, but here is the issue. When you talk to fertility specialists, it's women of color are not coming in to do it. But the other women are very much getting their eggs frozen sometimes as early as 19, 20, right? Like they are, they are making family investments and, and it's not that you're making investments in, in your, in your future children, you're making an investment in the ease of your future children, right? Like you're trying to make sure that when, you know, white women and black women are showing up to the table for marriage and relationships at about the same window, right? So white women are, it is like white women are all still getting married at, at, at 20 and black women are getting married at 50, right? Like women are getting married older. Yeah. Our generation, but our whole generation if, is marrying later. Yeah. But if, if I, if I did some things in my twenties or my early thirties that made uh childbirth in my late thirties or even early forties easier, that would not be a problem because the issue for most women, even in your forties, right? So even in your early forties, the issue that there, there's lots of, issues right i'm not you know saying like everybody's way to your 40s have babies like guy please don't come find me that's not what i'm saying (laughs) but if you had viable eggs like generally the conversation about whether or not you can have children in your 40s is not your body's ability to carry a child it's do you have eggs right like who who's embryo are you going to carry right so those are things that we're not talking about and you know i need these celebrities to talk about these donor eggs that they use to get pregnant we're not even talking about that we haven't even gotten into that at all right like some women just simply just don't have enough eggs they maybe they did fertility treatments and fertility treatments did not work out they still want to very much carry a baby to term they want to they want their child to share dna of one of them, them or their spouse. And so you can also, there's also a market for donor eggs and donor sperm to use to also carry babies. And so some women are using that. The very first woman I ever heard, very first black woman I ever heard talk about donor eggs was, um, her name was Tamiko. I think, I hope I'm not messing up her name. Her, I think her name is Timiko. She is a black model. She's gorgeous. Like I thought she was beautiful and she had twin boys. And I remember like looking at her like social media and I thought, man, they look just like their dad, but like, they don't look like her a whole lot. But, you know, I was like, well, they look like their dad. So maybe they just, you know, are going to take after their dad. You just can't see, you know, mom in there. And then later I remember going to her site and she was talking about the fact that she had premature ovarian failure and that she used those um, donor eggs to, have her twin boys. Wow. That was the very first time, you know, I'd heard about it. it was years ago. And I thought, oh my God, she's so innovative. But I wish more celebrities talked about it, right? Like, I need Janet mm-hmm. to come clean. Like, is that a donor egg or no, Janet? Like, you, you know, Janet let us know. To come clean. <laughs> <laughs> because women are coming out like, if Janet can't do it, I can do it too. Well, I think Gabrielle right. Union came out in a couple, I mean, she actually came out with that in her memoirs that she posted. Um, what, was, what was the first one? Something wine. Um, oh, we're gonna need more wine. Exactly, yeah, she's got yeah. another book coming out too that talks about like her experience, you know, with um a um 
No, Gabby. Surrogate. So she yeah. she oh, has got a Gabby. new book coming out where she's talking oh, okay. about surrogacy. And just and you know, and we need to talk about that, right? Like shout out to Gabby for, you know, having the conversation, like mm-hmm. her feelings about how it felt to, you know, be this baby's mom, but also, you know, not able to carry babies to term, right? So so many women like, you know, suffer in silence that and we're not talking about it. We've not given women particularly women of color, any freedoms here to express it, right? Because if single women are out there saying like, man, I got older, I wish I had just had babies, they're going to get slammed, right? Well, if mm-hmm. you have been acting right and got you a man when you should have, then you, <laughs> have you know, like you got you to gotta go through all these lectures, you know, about how you got here, right? Versus can I just have this space to be safe and say, I sure wish kids had worked out, Right. I didn't have a plan, but I surely thought like all the other life experiences that happened to me, um, that this one would happen to me too. Right. And I think that that's probably what most black women feel, whether you are a black woman with a man, a black woman with a woman, you just assume that somewhere along the lines, kids would fall on the table as a topic and somehow they would be produced. It didn't happen and nobody pushed you on it. And now you're trying to drop $25,000 for hope and a prayer. And that's fine, right? If you got it, do it, right? I think anybody who wants babies should absolutely push for them. But we need to be pushing people to at least at least explore the idea earlier. But it's, it's going to cost you. And, oh, in addition to these um, fees, on average, about three rounds of IVF is what you go through before you... Are successful. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about 75,000 Gs right there. I mean, just about. My car don't even cost that much. You said storage fees were about 2K a year? Yeah, something like that. Listen, I tried to find all these fees. Like, they're all over the place. Like, and I'm just looking for the fees. Um, I'm pretty sure that the the website I saw said that the storage fees are about $2,000 a year. But it, like, probably, it probably depends on where you live too, right? Because yeah, I state by state, it changes. Certain states um, is going to be more money than others. I don't think so. I, well, I don't know, but I think that these storage facilities have like hubs, okay. right? Mm-hmm. So they get shipped off to storage. You know, so they don't have to stay in your state. So it isn't like, okay, I live in South Carolina. So if I had my eggs frozen, they have to remain in South Carolina. I'm not sure how that works, but. I, I think on average, you just got to pay some some place because you got to pay for the transit back and forth. Yeah, I got a question. I wonder. So, like, if you're paying this much for the storage of your eggs, do you get, like, updates on how your eggs are doing? Like, hey, <laughs> eggs is, is doing okay. Like, I'm sorry. If I'm spending thousands of dollars, I want updates. I want a letter saying like a, my like egg a, is like, still there. Like a little picture. What's your like little picture? Your egg, your embryo like, 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 picture. My embryo dream hanging in there. Chris won like a little Tamagotchi. You should want a little Tamagotchi. Like, no, right. Right. Are y'all feeding your eggs? Are y'all right. taking care what of How are we storing it? Right. Let me my get egg picture, right. It's my right. egg What oh. if the electricity goes out? You got a backup generator. Oh man! Right. Like, what's your plan? Ask you all the right questions. Y'all laughing. This is right this questions. is. Listen, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but I can't. Please, please, um. Please make an appointment and ask all those questions. <laughs> I want to know the answer to that. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I but, you know, most of those fees that, you know, they're giving you only Chris cover so freezing your funny. eggs on site. What What am I getting for this $2,000 right. right. a year? I need a picture every month. I need, right. I need an update. <laughs> 
What y'all feed my eggs in there? They eating or not? Right, right. How you taking care of them? Why my egg look droopy? Why I look droopy? What's going on? Is somebody rocking oh my, my eggs to sleep? Is someone rocking my eggs to sleep? Is there customer service? Night? Can I talk to somebody? Right. I need to talk to somebody. The finest music played as they go to sleep. I want right. Beyonce right. and Buffalo. Right. And Riri. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But it's it's a lot. You better be feeding um, my eggs some rice and peas. Right. <laughs> right. My eggs get some rice and peas. Right. They need strength. Where they stew chicken? They didn't get stew chicken. Listen, they supposed to get stew chicken at least once a week. Right. Um it's uh yeah, that's I mean that's a good question. I don't know. I just know it it's all it all sounds very expensive. Shout out to the women who are doing it and the women who are talking about it, right? So I find that most women talk about it in the after effects. Whether, mm-hmm. it, whether it was successful or not. And those both those women are brave. Um, but then there's also women that are recording the experience real time, right? Where neither you or or they know the outcome. Um, and so just shout out to all those women, the women who are giving us the updates to say, hey, I'm pregnant now, or here's my baby. And let me tell you about my experience. Or, hey, I did it. I did it. It didn't turn out like what I wanted. Let me tell you about my experience. So people who are like, here, I'll walk you through it. You know, I think we need more women to do it and more women to talk about it. Um, I agree. So that we will we'll help somebody out. So I hope that, you know, this at least just stimulates some conversations. I hope y'all bust through your primary care door, primary care doctor's doors, asking them more questions about fertility. I came to talk about my eggs. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm in here to talk about my eggs. Right. Chief complaint, my eggs. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> <my> eggs. <laughs> Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Right, Right. because you notice how they put it in, like, patient says she set appointment up for eggs. Like, whose eggs? Like, what? (laughs) I ain't got no eggs in here. Mine, my eggs. So that is not, like, that strange. These eggs, right? So, yes, I think we, you, women, go talk to your fertility specialist. Even if you don't have a man or woman, like whoever you need for the support system, like even if, if it's just all a dream, if you think that there's a chance that if you met the right person, you would have their babies, then you need to see a fertility specialist. If you're 30 and you think that there's a chance that should somebody come along, male or female, because, you know, everybody, some people are not, you know, trying to be the person to carry these babies and you're, and you're a woman. So, um if you think that you may want babies in the future and you are in your thirties and you are walking towards the middle of your thirties, I would say splurge on the um, assessment and see a fertility specialist. some very good thoughtful interesting questions okay so hold on one second guys my screen is messing up okay. i don't know what's going on with that lavar burton uh jeopardy drama i wish well, I they knew. got they got two co-hosts so they got kyle cummings the like the the jeopardy superstar and they also got mialik um the girl what from to uh, burton oh he's he's out he's gone and then he was like, I don't even want to. I saw something like, 
he don't even want to do it anymore or something. Like he yeah. like, yeah, he's not even really interested. I don't know. He said he's gonna put, on he, it. he said he's gonna put details about it in his book. Anyway, point is I was going to uh do Jeopardy music, but then I made think about Lamar. I mean I, I was I was thinking about this like with our little thing. Because Chris was Chris was taking so long, I was gonna give her some music. Wow. I, no, I, wow. I, I got I got I can do anything. Take a look. It's in our book. <laughs> Oh my God. Chris, I used to love that show, by the way. Yes. You used to love Rainbow. Didn't tell show. me nothing. What? Yeah, we all day in ourselves. On schedule. I think it used to come at four o'clock in the afternoon or something. <laughs> Girl. Yeah. Based on the based on the fact that we all know this means we probably should all be freezing our eggs right now. But that's that's not right. Wow. Uh, <laughs> right. When I get my life together. Hopefully. Oh my god! <laughs> no, un, un, un get your life together. I need get, to get your eggs fr- frozen, right. and then you can get your life then together later. That should be the life. that should be the commercial. Forget your life. Yeah, freeze so your eggs. Freeze your eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Forget your life. Freeze your eggs. <laughs> your life will come later, but your eggs right, won't. right. You life later. Much. For now, freeze your eggs. Real talk. Real talk. Is that going to be in our episode summary? That's going to be on the summary. Yeah, people gonna read that and be like, "What does that even mean?" Get your life, freeze your eggs. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. So the first question: um, Should I get the third COVID nineteen booster shot if I am eligible? Can you discuss the pros and cons of not getting a third vaccine? So there's a couple issues, right? No, so the short answer is the, the answer is yes. If if the um if the CDC and the World Health Organization um and all the powers that be say that a booster universally is gonna be the next best step for people to keep them safe, like when they approve that, then the answer is easy. Yes, you should, right? You mm-hmm. should get your boosters. Um, boosters are not far-fetched. So I have had this conversation because people are like, oh, a booster or a booster. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all. Boosters are not new. You get a tetanus shot booster mm-hmm. every 10 years, right? You get flu shots every year. So there are some vaccines that we take and we need a repeat of those periodically. So if it gets approved for um, universal use and they are recommending a booster, then yes. Mm-hmm. The catch is right now, they're still trying to figure out if they're going to recommend the booster for the general population and if they are how they're going to decide you know about going with that so when they do we'll we'll be able to talk about it more but it's just not a finalized statement yet right but they are recommending it for the immunocompromised people so you have to meet certain criteria um in order to get the booster shot because the thinking is that because you're immunocompromised, your immune system is pretty low. You probably don't have as many antibodies. So doing the booster shot helps give you more protection. There's like a whole list that they did release. So if you're receiving like uh, immunotherapy or chemotherapy, if you're going through like active cancer treatment, um, you know, those would be like along the populations that would qualify, but there is a very extensive list like on the, um, Shit, what's was what I on? I think it was on this. Uh, I'll, I'll post it, it. You can on the CDC find it. website. You can it's on the find CDC, it on CDC website. But CDC will right. take you back to FDA. Mm-hmm. Like they'll, yeah, they'll exactly. link you to each other. So they have a whole list of all those immunocompromising um, conditions, which right now that is like for sure, for sure, the population that should definitely get the third booster now. Um, but for the general population, like what uh, Dr. Amy Joe said, 
Uh, we just, our, our immune systems are still strong and they're doing their job about keeping us out of the hospital if we do get infected with COVID. But again, we don't, we just don't know like the timeline for when those antibodies are starting to wane for when we need to get that booster shot. So that's, that's the thing that's up for debate right now. What's confusing a lot of people like, oh, you know, I heard six months, I heard eight months, you know, like, you know, should I get it now, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, again, that, that research is still up for debate. So we just, we just don't know enough now, enough now to know when you need to go get the shot. So, but when it does come out, we all better be ready because y'all need it. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a different shift. So can you ladies shed some light on polyamory? I'm curious to know <laughs> any information you might have to offer. I'm looking at my microphone. Um, (laughs) That is the one thing I will say. Um, They need to know their status and be tested and use protection. Well, first off, I was thinking maybe we should define because some people might not know what polyamory is. I couldn't even hear what Nono even said. Nono, I think you should repeat yourself. And I do agree with Chris. Nono, what did you say? Oh, so, I mean, polyamory is when you have multiple partners, so sexual partners. But um, essentially... I would say my recommendation, because there are people that do follow that lifestyle and no judgment whatsoever. Um, but essentially what you need to do is make sure that you yourself are protected. So being sure that you know your know your status and oh, know your partner's status is extremely important. Make sure y'all are tested and you got to use protection um, because that is the that is the one thing as as doctors is what we would recommend. So sure. I just want to clarify one thing with polyamory is because everyone involved is consent has consented to be in this relationship with multiple people so i don't want people thinking mm-hmm. out here like oh i'm practicing this and they're sitting there cheating on their on their spouses that's not what that means <laughs> okay <laughs> like you guys have that. actively had a conversation consented to be in a relationship monogamous with multiple people right exactly so <laughs> okay so polyamory there's a whole massive polyamory community and that there's different websites that they can find each other on some even have groups on facebook social media things like that but it's it's a very very large community or at least it is here in the bay i'm literally going to be in the bay for another week (laughs) (laughs) i mean there's a huge community in la too but either way in california it's it's huge one correction i will make on dr nono's definition is that they don't necessarily have to be sex partners Um, They're just Mm -hmm. partners, period. They don't necessarily have to have sex with the partners. But to shed a little more light on it, um, I do agree with what Chris said, that everybody is a consenting adult um, that is interacting in these, you know, it's basically it's basically the love of multiple partners. And there are rules surrounding it because I'm not in the polyamory community. I can't give you guys too much information about it. But in a lot of polyamorous relationships, usually the person does have a main partner or they consider to be their primary partner. Um, And then they and their primary partner might both be in the community and have additional partners. Um, It's good to know this, not just from an STD standpoint, but especially when one or more of the partners start getting pregnant um, and they want to raise the child in a polyamory community, like raise the child as a village. Then it's important to identify who's the main partner um, and who's the father or mother of the child. Um, But overall, just know that it's it's a very large community. It's the love of multiple partners. Um, some people navigate it seamlessly. Some people don't. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole big community. 
completely separate from LGBT. Now, mind you, you can be with an LGBTQ plus and be in a polyamorous relationship. Those are a whole different thing. Yeah, I do because I don't want the, the the polyamorous community coming at us to say you said it was just about sex. It's it's not. So there there don't are some tell people you, that are love. in. It's about love. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are in. There are some people that are polyamorous, but in that circle, that relationship, that that cluster is considered very much a committed relationship. So it is the expectation that the people that are participating in that relationship are committed to that relationship. And it just happens to be more than just two individuals that are, you know, involving the commitment and they can set boundaries for what the extent of that is. Is there somebody that can come in and out of it? Is there somebody that, you know, always stays like, is there a main person, all these things. And so it, it, it actually requires, you know, lots of communication and lots of commitment to it, but you know, we say this all the time too, y'all. We're not sex experts. We get mm-hmm. to hear all the stories because we primary care and we're family medicine. Y'all like got some juicy stories. And so we appreciate listening to your, you know, life experiences, but we are not sex experts um, mm-hmm. in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like um Dr. Nono said, I think it's so there's a couple of things that are important. One, um, if you are interested or practicing um polyamorous relationships, right? One, are you really in one? Do the people that are involved with you understand what it is and the commitments, right? Because that's what's important. And two, while you're working on getting into them, because getting into a polyamorous relationship is like getting into any any other relationship. They all start off casual until they're not, mm-hmm. right? Are you protecting yourself in the way that's necessary so that, you know, nothing, if this relationship does not work out, you don't come out of it with something that you can't give back? Um, so, uh, I do recommend prep for all of my pre polyamorous relationships or people who are out exploring, um, who are out, you know, trying their hand in different groups to see if the, the fit is, you know, appropriate. If there's going to be sex involved, then by definition, uh, even how AEFP defines it, anyone that is engaged in intercourse of more than one partner is eligible for prep, um, to make sure that, you know, you do not transmit or um, contract uh, HIV. So I just would think about all those things. And then once you've settled down into a committed relationship and you all have had a conversation about, you know, what the parameters are and if everybody is, you know, committed to engaging in unprotected intercourse that may or may not result in babies. uh, So be it. Agreed. Just be safe. What a fun, what a fun question. Just be safe. (laughs) I know it was interesting. (laughs) I know was it was fun. two different shifts, COVID then polyamory. And, and for the person that wrote that question, I did not mean to assume that you were in sexual relations with the other people that you're thinking about being with. I just, to me, in the mind, if you were having, if you were having multiple partners, that would be the first thing I would come to mind. Just make sure that you yourself are protected if you do decide to go down that route. That's that's all I meant to say. So yeah, I'm sure they weren't offended. Besties. <laughs> so, but that's as, cool she, as, she, as she puts up peace signs right. <laughs> I love it peace and I love, love. It. peace and love peace and love all love here uh, 
Chocolate Kisses. We have a new segment called Chocolate Kisses. Pew, 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 pew. I wish you guys could see us blowing some chocolate kisses. But chocolate you have kisses. some like kiss sounds. Right. <laughs> well, Dr. Chris has the radio voice, so maybe she would be best to do it. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's now time for Chocolate Kisses. Oh, <laughs> girl. <laughs> Y'all, there we go. Chocolate oh. kisses is not even. Someone getting chocolate kisses. It's is not, not even that. It's deep. time for me to it's, go to bed, y'all. It's, it's, <laughs> right. It's not even that deep. It's literally just a segment where we are just going to either show love or give some positive thoughts or give anything positive out there in the in the in the air to whomever we would like to give it to. Just kisses across the board. Just love to be so given. I, That's all. That's say- all. I would say I just got back from a trip to Iceland. Um, I've always been talking about going in because my love is travel. And I feel like with this pandemic, it kind of stifled that. Um, So I was able to go travel with some friends and just kind of take in like nature, like at its very core. And for me, that was very kind of like a very big release just to be able to be out in nature to witness uh, the beauty that we have on this earth and to be able to appreciate it. Um, so that, that is something that helps my mental health is to be able to experience that and being able to have time within my schedule as a doctor to be able to do that. So I guess my caveat to this would be saying, you know, do things that make you happy and also being able to carve out time for that because your body will, will shut down if you don't take care of it. Right. And that's not just physical, but mentally as well. So you need to be able to have time within your schedule to kind of treat yourself and be able to do things that keep your, your mental health intact. So, yeah. Wow. Mine is not that deep. I'm literally just going to give some kisses to Houston, Texas, because I went to visit recently and y'all are dope. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Levels to it. But that, that is fair. That is fair. Mm-hmm. Amy, Joe, and Chris, y'all got some kisses to give? My kisses go to uh, college football. I have missed you. So, oh, that is true. So happy to be back. Every Saturday, I am on the couch now, staring at TV screens. Oh it's my wonderful. gosh! When no, when Nono is mixing up the teams, you'd be quick to correct her. You'd be like, "Man, I did not mix up the teams." Yeah. Right. Like like, it wasn't week three. I was legit. That I thought MSU was playing Alabama last week because someone posted on Facebook. Yo, so that's man. why I was like, Listen, oh, they y'all don't know, know man. Amy Joe's love for Alabama runs so deep. Let me not I mess with the Prince tide, and Cream, okay? Listen, yeah. roll tide all day. I'm all about the maize and blue. That's all I care about. So that's, I hope we have a good season this year because last year was not that, not that great. Yeah. Chris, with the sexy voice, you got some kisses to give someone or something or anything? This past weekend, I got to spend time with my family, and it was really fun, and I enjoyed that, because with COVID, you don't really get to do that, and, you Mm -hmm. know, people are getting older, and I just, I guess my kisses is just making sure that people really, like, celebrate each other, love your families, and try to make time to spend with them, because, you know, your time on this earth is is, uh, not long. Yeah. it's important to let your let the people that you love know how you feel about them while they're still living and not wait to say it at their funeral. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we don't think about that. 
we get so bogged down in our lives and what we're doing and we forget to do that and just tell people how much you appreciate them and how much you love them and how much I love you guys. Oh, yeah. True. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to another episode of chocolate with a side of medicine. We love you guys and we will see you guys next episode. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye.